Welcome to the Rapid Change Matters podcast. My name is Howard Cooper, and for over 14 years now, I've been fascinated with helping people to create personal change quickly. But I still come across many who believe that lasting personal change has to take a long time, consisting of reliving traumas or deep psychological analysis, or simply that flawed notion that understanding why you have a problem will somehow make it go away. I'm on a mission to get people who work therapeutically with others to shift their thinking and realize that these beliefs are not written in stone. Rapid change can happen. So, to help you open up to what's possible, I'm interviewing top therapists and agents of change who are out there getting real results with real people really quickly. Before we get to the interview, I just wanted to let you know that I've written a quick-to-read, downloadable PDF on five strategies to amplify your client's response, with some great tips on getting your therapeutic suggestions to really sizzle. You can download this for free from rapidchange.works, where you can also find all the information about this episode and episodes still to come. Now, over to the interview. Today, I interview fellow podcaster Jason Lynette, a board-certified hypnotist and trainer of both hypnosis and NLP. He operates Virginia Hypnosis, a hypnotherapy practice located in Alexandria, Virginia. Jason, as well as having a five-star rated hypnosis podcast, Work Smart Hypnosis, which has been downloaded more than 100,000 times around the world, he also has a real knack for helping hypnotherapists create outstanding business success with their practices. Welcome to the podcast, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. Well, no, it's an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And jumping straight in, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got started? Yeah, uh, let's start with uh, where I am right now. I'm in Alexandria, Virginia. I see a full schedule of clients. And in addition to that, I also uh, operate the digital empire that is Work Smart Hypnosis with training, with podcast, with various uh, events inside of it, too. And it really has become that three ring circus uh, style lifestyle where some days I'm seeing clients. Some days I'm in my office teaching classes. Some days I'm out in Vegas doing classes. Some days I'm operating things online. So to rewind it all back when I first got interested in hypnosis, just really being ravenous for any bit of information possible and just the mindset of let's jump in, let's make this work was really the, the thing that made it all go. Because so you started out, if I understand correctly, you had a passion for magic and you worked yeah, in the interest, the interest in magic followed by the disinterest in magic, because if I could really do this magic trick, why would I carry around cards? If I could really read your mind, why would you have to write that thing down? So looking for this more purist mindset, that's what brought me to the hypnosis, which I've just come up on stage. Let's do this. And beginning as the stage hypnotist, honestly taking my first hypnotherapy training with the idea of if I put letters after my name, I could charge more for my show and being the smart aleck in the back of the room thinking that and now it's all I do. So uh, it's where I'd say to anybody getting into hypnosis, uh, be open to the options because where we end up is not exactly often where we plan to go. I, I love that. that. That's so cool. But I'm also intrigued because I, I meet a lot of people within the hypnosis world specifically or NLP world who seem to have a background in magic. In fact, I myself used to be a close-up magician and used to yes. work in restaurants. And um, what is it that, that, that attracts magicians or should I say ex-magicians into this world of, of kind of NLP and hypnosis and change work? Well, I mean, on one side of things, we can credit the stage hypnosis that there's a lot of crossover from one to the other. There are people, I'm sure you've heard of Kenton Nepper, who put out a product called Wonder Words, which was really taking NLP into the hypnosis, uh, into the magic community. So and this wonderful theme of rapid change where in magic, the change happens quickly. There may be some elements behind it in terms of the secret of the trick. But from the audience perspective, this thing was here and now it's there. This thing was this and now it's the tiger and this rapid changing environment where to be able to do that with personal change, I think, is that easiest through line from one to the other. That's that's yeah, I, I would to totally agree. And for me, one of the things that I, I think was interesting about my time as a magician was I was attracted to the idea that magic could happen. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and somehow behind every trick, there was a slight feeling of disappointment. Oh, oh, it was just, oh, it was just in the other hand. I see. Whereas magic, uh, hypnosis, and change work seems to be kind of like real magic. Absolutely. And to see that change occur quickly, which again, this slow progression, yes, that can be effective, yet at the same time, this rapid shift where here it was and now it's there, and that's just it. So I know we, we spoke briefly about this before we started recording around this idea that rapid change for you was, was kind of normal, or the way to look at it was that rapid was, was a nor- it, it's not abnormal for people to change rapidly. Yeah, I'd share. There's a moment where I went to college. I went to school for management in the arts and I worked for several years as a uh, actors equity union theatrical stage manager working in professional theater. So not the really amazing creative stuff happening on stage. I was the wizard behind the curtain calling the cues and making that stuff happen on stage. And there, there's a brief moment that really defined how I tried to do the gradual methodical change that was reckoned, recommended to me by, okay, I'm not happy in this career. Here's this hypnosis thing I've been doing part time. Let's make a transition. And I had I had mapped out on paper uh, this sort of five year transition plan that a couple of weeks in, nope, this isn't working. And I put in the notice and have it looked back. It's funny because I know you work with people often with multiple sessions, mm-hmm. yet you still maintain that ra- that change when it happens is rapid. I'm wondering if you could explain how those two things sit together. Yeah, this hits on more of a personal tone for people at times because think about moments in your life where you made a rapid change yourself. And we're talking about major life issues such as you were in a relationship and maybe you We'll phrase it this way. You discovered new information, and then from there, the relationship did not work anymore. Or maybe at some point in your upbringing, there was a change in terms of uh, religion and politics, or two rather interesting categories, where suddenly you saw something from a different perspective, and you could not go back to the old way. It's where I can credit my first uh, rapid change as a uh, person, as an agent of change. Uh, I was four years old. I don't want to go to grandpa's house. He smells bad. And he threw out the cigars. He threw out the pipes, the cigarettes right away. And that was the end of it. So we have that capability of changing quickly. The reason that I am still a multiple session practitioner is that we can change at the structure of belief. Yet at the same time, we've got to adapt our strategies, our behaviors, our day to day life to integrate those changes in. So it's where there's a balance between setting the expectation of this thing can go quickly, yet at the same time, we've got to clean up all the other stuff around it. So now you're comfortable in there and you've got that whole congruency of the change and now you remain there as well. So session number one for me is most often about let's disconnect you from that problem. And then any other sessions onward are traditionally let's now integrate you into that solution. Yeah. Is there a danger of setting out to work too rapidly with people? Well, I'd I'd point that out from that perspective. There's something to be said around looking at the expectation. You know, it's where I'd reference, I do, I begin with three sessions even for my stop smoking clients. And what I now say to them is not something that I came up with because on paper, man, that's clever. I should say that to people when I'm selling them. No, it's something I discovered the hard way by working with so many people over time, realizing, okay, here was the difference. So on the phone, I set the expectation, most people stop as early as the first appointment. A few may just cut back dramatically, which is still excellent, then we clean up the remainder in the subsequent appointments, though the overwhelming majority of people stop as early as that first appointment. And it took this small amount of people that Uh, Well, actually, no, a respectable amount of people who were stopping completely and just exploded it to basically everybody by phrasing it in that format. So it's where if we set the expectation properly, let's throw in ethically, and that is still congruent for the client's perspective, then there's no issue with setting that kind of, oh, wow, kind of expectation, in my opinion, as long as it's reasonable and more importantly, as long as we can actually deliver those results. Because I think sometimes that there there is an art form or a skill in being able to maximize 
positive expectation on an initial inquiry. This is where I'd say there's a line between <clears throat> doing hypnosis and also just being hypnotic. Mm-hmm. And the mindset of that is that is entirely a moment of being hypnotic. Back to Dave Elman, if you follow my instructions, I know I can help you. If you don't follow my instructions, I don't know a thing in the world that will help you. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So, yeah. so, so before we talk about some of the the business side of you know why it is that people maybe struggle to get clients and maybe why those things aren't covered on on training courses, I'd love to to talk to you about some of the beliefs that I think that people have out there, which is that lasting personal change or therapeutic results in the general consciousness that people have around change, we often think it's going to take a long time or that it needs to be around deep analysis and self-reflection or re-experiencing and reliving traumas and past events. And are these things that you've come across um, and do you agree with them or do you reframe these things uh, to people? I would typically say that uh, it's a common held belief that it takes 21 days to install a new behavior. And my response is those people are not using the right strategies. That again, we have that ability to change rapidly. Uh, the only edit that I would possibly bring to um, to the introduction you shared there would be that one of my other mission statements is there are no bad techniques. There are no bad strategies. That the technique is only as good as the individual puts them into use. You cannot go to a home supply repair store and buy a hammer save the receipt, go back the next day and say, hey, I bought this hammer. It doesn't work. Could I swap it out for another one? Because they'd laugh at you. So it's where, you know, inside of it, all of these techniques are valid. It's the way that often sometimes they're used that are not valid. So it's where I'd say that age regression is a category. Age regression is a technique where if you're only going at it now, of course, I would say the strategy of we're just going to have you relive the problem over and over and over uh, to, to, you know, sort of anesthetize from that experience. That's where I've got some issue when as much as I'm a rapid change uh, agent and as much as I'm a the past is only a marker of where you've been. There is a methodology to doing hypnotic age regression to that ISE model in such a way that I am in and out of that issue in a matter of a minute, because the bulk of the time is the rebirth, the re-education, the rebuilding from that point forward, yeah. which I'm not someone who subscribes heavily to this mindset, this philosophy, that it's just this one thing that caused it. And if you haven't found that initial ISE seed, you're not going to get permanent results. Hell no. Instead, here's a metaphor of change. Here's the death and resurrection story all over again. That again, though, if I had to give you a percentage, less than 10% is about the detective work and where do we end up? Because if that's our model of understanding the why, uh, congratulations, now you're still miserable, but at least you have a reason. Yeah. Yeah, How's that working for you? It's beautiful, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I, I've often joked that you know, if you can understand why you're screwed up, you just end up smug and screwed up. Ooh, I love it. I, I'd say that it's where the metaphor has to change. Rather than the magnifying glass looking at the past, instead it's the slingshot. We're only ever pulling back with the intention of letting go. Yeah. And now we're going to use that as momentum. We're going to use that as the catalyst, as the fuel to project you into the outcomes that you are now ready to create. Yeah. And I think what's interesting when I talk to people like yourself and other uh, top leading therapists and top agents of change is that this idea and there's a new a nuanced approach of being flexible and you've already implied that, hey, guess what? Age regression is a technique and implied with that is that it can be useful in certain circumstances, but it's not something that you would kind of go, I do that or I don't do that. It's just it it's something for your toolbox that can be useful. Right, exactly. Yeah. All these techniques are valid and for every reason why I'd, I'd point to uh, a recent conversation with Jürgen Rasmussen, which I, I shared the mindset that you look at it from this perspective, the more you come into my office and you tell your backstory, the less likely I'm going to give you the subconscious satisfaction of going in that direction because that's already part of the issue as opposed to we've got to change that story. Uh, the most yeah. dangerous word in our language is the word because. And for someone to come in, well, I have this issue because of this. 
there's a brief story of a couple of months ago, two guys came in for weight loss, two completely different clients. One was my early morning appointment. One was my late morning appointment. The one in the morning came in. Well, now that I'm retired, it's going to be so easy to lose weight. I'm going to have time to cook for myself. I'm going to have time to go to the gym. This is going to be great. And a few hours later, now that I'm retired, it's going to be nearly impossible to lose weight. I'm going to want to sit around all day, and we're going to be going to all these social things now. This is going to be hard. So from the same starting point, for one, this is why it's going to be difficult. And for the other, I got this. This is going to be easy. I love it. And I love that idea of, you know, that idea of not letting them uh, bring their script and their story if it's part of the problem. Um, well, I'll let them bring it in, but it's a place where whether it's sleight of mouth in the opening conversation or whether it's the change work inside of the hypnotic ritual, it's let's you everything is an asset. Everything is at something we can use where some people have taken offense to this story. But here's someone who came in that the short version is he walked in the door. I smoke because I'm bipolar. And as he walked out, uh, I'll censor the language. I've got enough blank to deal with. I don't have to deal with these cigarettes. So it wasn't even addressing that other issue that was perhaps in his mindset part of why he was still smoking. You can't throw logic at an illogical statement. He knows that he has friends who are bipolar disorder who are non-smokers. And he has friends who are smokers that are not bipolar. Yet from his map of the world as he walked in, A equals B. And instead as he walked out, because of A, there's no reason I have to bother with B. So again, everything was an asset. So rather than discount that backstory, let's use whatever we can from that to help you to navigate this change. Um, so talking about um, the other aspect of the work that you do, which is not the, the, the change work, but this idea of helping hypnotherapists create outstanding businesses um, and the business of hypnotherapy, why is it that you think so many hypnotherapists um, and alternative therapeutic practitioners struggle in this business marketing area? Well, I'll play the game of saying, let's set this one idea aside. But by saying, let's bring it up, uh, we're actually talking about it. There is sometimes the mindset of uh, what we call savior syndrome. Uh, I'm helping people. Therefore, it's irresponsible of me to earn a good living doing it, uh, which really is not the case. Your doctor earns an income. Uh, my parents are wedding photographers. And there's a fun story I remember back from being a teenager where a local pastor at a church uh, suddenly announced okay, if you're a member of our congregation, here's the fee for me to perform a wedding service. And if you're not a member of the congregation, here's the fee for me to do the wedding service. And people were offended. And he just responded, my kids got to go to college too. So we have a right to earn a living inside of everything that we do. So sometimes it is that savior syndrome, which, well, let's take care of that one right away. The more successful you are, the more ability you have to reinvest in yourself and your business and your education. And by doing so, provide an even greater change experience for your clientele. So it's where you go to a convention that I'm at. And uh, there's a recent convention here in the States in Florida that my family came with me. We stuck around for a week afterwards and did Disney, enjoyed the beach. And my wife was the one commenting Whenever we walked by your table in the exhibit area, it was empty. It's like, yeah, I was in workshops. <laughs> so I'm going to conventions. And yes, I'm doing this paid event as a post-convention. Yeah, but for the pre-time, I've signed up for things. I'm there to learn. So the more successful you are, the more you can pour that money back into what you do and reinvest and build that business up. The, the main thing that I think needs to be overcome is this idea that uh, it's a bad thing. Uh, it's a greedy thing or even just as important that it's a separate conversation. My real backstory is I'm at a hypnosis convention years ago and there's somebody who was up there teaching about how to grow your business. And as he's up there, uh, I forget if it was me, I forget if it was someone else, but there was a follow up question around, well, how would you do this thing differently in this market? And he responded, well, I've actually never done this in my hypnosis business. And the red flag for me went up that there's someone up here, uh, a well-known, respected person, but clearly teaching armchair philosophy. 
And that kind of ignited this passion of being, as I now deem it, the hypnosis business guinea pig. I'm not going to teach you things that I haven't done myself. So on one side, there's a little bit of the blind leading the blind because you have people. I get a phone call a couple of years ago. Hey, I'm having a hard time filling my office with clients. Uh, how are your classes going? Does that work well for you? And my answer was everything you first said is why I'm not going to answer your second question because you should be out there doing it successfully in order to teach it is really my opinion. Again, rather than blind leading the blind. So there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of, uh, you know, old school information that's still out there when we just simply change a few dynamics. The real passion project at this point is the fact that as I left the hypnosis community to learn about how to run a business, instead tracking the people who were selling, you know, millions of dollars of products online, uh, running multiple businesses in different markets and that franchise model in such a way that the money is really pouring in and they're doing quality work by learning the strategies behind the sale, the psychology behind the business. It's the same conversation as helping a client. Whether we're navigating from here's my challenge to here's my solution to I need something to help me out to here's something that's going to do it, it's the same conversation. So what this hypnosis community really needs to learn is that the more effective I've become in running my business, the more effective I've become as a person helping people change. It's the same conversation. I love the fact that they're just so intertwined and that people it's like people have the conversation about the mind body split as though they're different. And actually, it's the same thing, but they're, they're the just thing, connected. Yeah. yeah, we're all talking about the same stuff. So, we, it's the metaphor I'd share of the birthday party magician who makes animal balloons, because you know what, Howard, I can make you any animal you want, any animal, animal in the world. Name it. I can make a balloon out of it as long as it looks like a dog or a snake. Yeah. <laughs> that there's basically, and this is my whole mission of hypnotic business systems, there are systems in place where once you understand the basic principles, I, I tell people, I, I love this. This is one of my favorite. It, 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 it allows me to become a little frustrated sometimes, but at the same time, I love the amusement of it. I have gotten into arguments with people. Well, they've gotten into arguments with me and I'm there calm and stoic and responding with delight where people arguing with me. Yeah, but I've tried Facebook marketing. It doesn't work. When again, back to the age regression conversation, it's very rarely the platform. It's almost always the strategy. Yeah, but I paid about $500 in Facebook ads. It didn't work. Well, um, the reason why was that you were showing a generic ad that was going out to anybody and everybody who had eyeballs and you were pointing them at a website which was not properly well designed to capture information and build a relationship. So you were sending a crappy ad at a badly designed website. No wonder nobody was calling as opposed to something niche specific targeted guiding to a place that now builds a relationship, continues a conversation. And the next logical step is to then reach out for your service. You've got to optimize this thing. So again, it's very rarely the platform. It's almost always the strategy. And as we learn that it's again, you've had the client in front of you. Well, I've tried dieting. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Well, how was your compliance? I worked with a personal trainer. It didn't work. Well, were you showing up? And only recently did I have a client who um, I broke social norms. She sent me an email. I picked up the phone and called her and she's voicing a bit of frustration. Uh, I'm really unhappy with how this is going because I just haven't lost any weight at all. And as you and I are recording here, this conversation happened about three weeks ago. It's uh, uh, late June. So we're talking early June. She reached out to me and I called her up just to say I'll change the name. Well, Barbara, realize you came in for your first appointment back in November and you have now since rescheduled your second appointment about seven or eight times because business is because uh, work is busy. Um, you, showing up is half the battle. Uh, so we haven't even gotten started yet. Uh, so working with you through this process. So it's not that it hasn't worked. It's that you haven't been here to do the work. The, the franchise Gold's Gym, they most often have a sticker on their front door that says showing up is half the battle. 
I think it was it, that, was it Woody Allen that had the quote. It was something like like ninety percent of success is just turning up. Yeah. Um, and I'm, as someone also with small kids, I'd share his other favorite quote of mine. Yeah, we're gonna have three kids, one of each. <laughs> oh dear, I like that. I like that. I have two kids, so uh, yeah, I relate. Yep. Um, so how much would you say the marketing and business side of all of this has changed in the last 10 years because there is a real thrust now towards computer, internet, social media? And is it possible for people that aren't technically savvy to, to be making a living as a, as a therapist, as a hypnotist? Great question. There's a couple of points inside of that. The conversation side of it, in my opinion, has remained the cha- has remained the same. So again, navigating a person from a state of challenge to a place of solution, that's the same. The only difference is, uh, and I'd give a metaphor here, um, which would be that, and this may be limiting to some people, uh, think back to like the high school years, and there's a slower sort of movement in terms of if it was a relationship, you were dating somebody, and because you were so busy with school and living in your parents' house, it was a slower courtship process uh, to get involved with somebody as opposed to suddenly now you're at college, you're living on campus and you're seeing this person every single day, a relationship could progress at a much more rapid pace. The same as if you're in an environment where it takes more effort to take care of your health, it can be slow and methodical as opposed to, hey, you got your own kitchen. Hey, you're living in this apartment building with a fitness fitness facility in the basement you can get that change in motion even faster. So the benefit of our modern computer age is that, again, we can build rapport in a very, very rapid way. So it's it's only expedited that conversation. Uh, there's a constant reference that I give that it, it is a book that I've read. Uh, however, it's a book that I recommend, and the joke is you don't have to read it uh, because the title gets the point across. The title of the book is So Good They Can't Ignore You. And that's really the mindset where we play the game of uh, I, I laugh at the we need to create a viral video, which no, <laughs> Most everybody who's worked with the mindset of we need to create a viral video, Mm -hmm. uh, it ends up not being viral. So it's where the conversation begins with all of this marketing information in terms of content. So and there is no excuse to not have good content. If your content is not good, then they're not going to engage. So on the practical side of what I do of seeing clients – I tell everybody just head over to virginiahypnosis.com. That's the website for my local business. And there are videos on every single page where I am building rapport through the screen. And my services are priced at a bit of a premium in my local market. And let's use the example of my stop smoking clients. On my stop smoking page over on Virginia Hypnosis, there's a video with me with a big glass jar filled to the brim with cigarettes that people have uh, thrown out at my office. And the oh wow moment is, and I know this jar looks kind of full and I reach out of screen and I pull out a second jar, which is just as full. And it's because this one was already full as well. And my incoming phone call in an industry where I've heard people teach this, keep them on the phone for 20 or 30 minutes because that's gonna build rapport. And the more time you spend with them on the phone, they're more likely to book with you. Uh, no, because my incoming phone call can often be, did you watch the video with the jars? Yes. Okay. Well, the program is this and here's the investment. When would you like to come in? And I can sell that now in a matter of two or three minutes time because they've already engaged with the content. So the real benefit is we have that ability to, to mechanize ourselves, to duplicate ourself. So on the business side of things, you know, in these mechanisms, it allows us to expedite that process. When in the past, you had to wait for the commercial to be on the television again. You had to wait till the newspaper printed the next week for that ad to run. We can really speed up this mechanism of moving forward. On the other side of it, you brought up the idea of not being a computer person. Mm. Um, And I'd give you my favorite reference to this is that when I run webinars, there is a beautiful choose your own adventure mechanism that we've built into our systems of 
depending on if you're already a client, if you already have products, you can sometimes end up getting a different user experience of the webinar based on the membership tags in our database that are prescribed to you. And I'd invite the audience to ask, do you know how to do that? And most people would say no. And I get to smile and say, neither do I. <laughs> so I, I, I reference in the rapid change, uh, in the, in the rapid question format, the, the Bible of mine, uh, Tim Ferriss's four hour work week that I go into every strategy. I go into every task nowadays with the mindset of how do I do this for the first time? And I'd say respectfully to the hypnosis community, you are, I'm assuming here, an outstanding practitioner. You're a crappy website designer, hire somebody else. Yep. So it's where when I record my podcast, as soon as I stop the uh, conversation, I record the intro, the outro, and then suddenly there the team behind the curtains takes off from there. So there's a mindset to outsourcing that this is a community that really, really needs to learn that the mindset is if you learn how to describe the user experience, that's where designers, that's where programmers respectfully become a dime a dozen because they can take your vision and they can put it into use. Again, it's where I've heard people say, I've tried that, that didn't work, which was the whole you said to the designer, you said to the outsourcer, hey, make me a website, as opposed to here's a website that actually we're launching today in my business that uh, I drew it out on a sheet of paper and I turned on my iPhone. I shot a video where I walked through. This is what it should look like. This button should look like this. This is how it should flow. And then the designer took it from there and made it work. So again, there's just this mindset adjustment that it has never been easier to position your message in front of the ideal audience. And at the same time, it's never been easier to find the people to do the work with you rather than I, I own Adobe Illustrator because it's helpful for me to open up the files and see what the designer has built. I don't have a clue how to use that software and I don't have the intention of sitting down for eight hours and watching tutorials to learn how mm -hmm. that's someone else's specialty. My designer doesn't need to be a good hypnotist and I don't have to be a good designer. I think that's really cool to hear. And it's something that I wish I, I did more of uh, in terms of be, having the mindset of letting go and doing what I'm best at. And letting other people, you know, take care of some of the other stuff. So definitely some work uh, and some advice for me as well there. The... Which is a little statistic that uh, I forget where I first saw this. Uh, it was pointing to, it was drawing a correlation. And yes, on uh, in, in terms of analytical study of looking at various, uh, you know, different research that's been done, we can always correlate one thing to something else. I think someone at one point uh did a uh, study that proved by doing a meta-analysis, there was a direct correlation to the number of movies that I think it was Keanu Reeves has done to the drownings that happen every year. <laughs> <laughs> that you can always look at, you can always look at data and extrapolate things in a way that serves your hypothesis if you mm -hmm. find the right research. So that aside, there was a study that was done that was pointing out, here are the most successful businesses in the world, and here's their number of staff. And people would often go, I can't afford to do that, to which I would argue back, no, you can't afford not to do this, because the more time that now, um, you know, not everybody needs a full time graphic designer and website programmer uh, because of the whole digital empire of things that I do. I have that, though. I have other people who do these small tasks, and it's amazing how I, I work with an international audience. I work with an international staff. And the things that you could spend hours doing, um, my audio programs that I sell to the general public, I've got a person that just, we have a stock fee. He does those $10 each, which think of the time it would take to learn how to do the proper sound editing, balance the sound, add the reverb, make it sound better. The things that I don't even know what I'm talking about. And he's doing that in a matter of minutes. And again, that's now time I can spend with clients. That's now time I can spend producing better information. That's time I can spend at home with my family. So what I like is that, you know, it's not just when you said you like the four hour work week, Tim Ferriss, this is not just, oh, I like the book. Theoretically, you have embraced it and you're really living it. 
I'd give an example that I just hired a former student of mine to now work in my office. And before the first client came in, all the business systems were already built. So the paperwork that's specific to him working in my office, the automation in terms of the email confirmation of the client coming mm -hmm. in, the mechanism of uh, we've built a system that my clients prepay online before they show up. We have a zero issue with no-shows in my office. And before the first client came in for this guy, I mean, everything was built and now it's done. And we don't have to worry about it, which allows every bit of your focus. This is the benefit of, again, having a successful business. When I'm in session with my client, I'm not having to worry about the mortgage payment, the rent payment. I'm not having to worry about uh, there's voicemails that I need to return. That's going to happen. But it really allows that mindset to be there with your client in the moment and really calibrate with them, really be there with them and really customize to them in the way that's going to best serve your process. So how should someone start? Let's say they're sitting there in their therapy rooms that they're paying a fortune for, trying to <laughs> block people in and then don't have a number of clients and their website's not great. And they're hearing you talk about, hey, great, you know, we automate and we outsource all this stuff. And they might be thinking, well, that, hey, like, you know, that's great for somewhere down the line when I can afford all that. But like, what are the steps that I can do now? Like, is there anything? How should they start? on that journey there's a yeah let's let's start bigger picture there's a personal epiphany that i had years ago which is a simple phrase there's no such thing as finding the time there's only making the time so when we look at all the things that we put on our plate going oh i should do this i should do that uh, these things only occur as you make the time to do them so let's use a simple example that you're already seeing clients and maybe you want to build some passive income streams. So the easiest example of that would be some sort of hypnosis audio program to sell on a website. Um, you can't sell those things until you finally sit down in front of the microphone and record those things. So it's where we often would be a little hungrier perceptually in our business to go, no, I need to fill that time slot. No, I need to see somebody during this time. And it's a little bit of a jump sometimes for people to go, here's this block of time and here's what I'm going to do in this, which if you look at, for example, the Virginia hypnosis website, uh, I was having a chat with this with one of my consulting students yesterday, uh, cause he was asking about costume change and location change for videos on a website. And I go, go back and look at that website. I'm wearing the same clothing in every video. And yes, I'm standing in different locations in my office. Though, what did I do? Rather than book this client for this income for that time slot at my office, I blocked out that time slot in my calendar and I batch produced videos. And <clears throat> this is the mindset. This is, uh, you know, kind of in that four hour work seat mentality, four hour work week mentality, where um, you batch the production, you batch the task. Mm -hmm. So set up the camera. Make sure it's in frame, make sure the microphone's working, then record the video, then put the camera away and work on the video and leave. All that effort for one video? No, no, no. Instead, as soon as it was set up, I'm not going to set up that camera nowadays unless I'm shooting at least five or six videos. Actually, on my schedule today, I've got uh, two major conventions coming up here in the States in August. And I like to do these little talking head videos promoting my presentation so people know to attend them. And that's on my calendar today. You know, so that is a time that rather than book a client, rather than have that time as working effort, instead, that's a moment where I am specifically setting up the camera and doing that. So again, there's no such thing as finding the time. There's only making the time. And the personal side of it was I you know, for many years carried around an extra 30 or 40 pounds. I kept spraining my back uh, because just I was weak. And as I got interested in strength training, as I got interested in taking better care of my health, um, it's now more, I love the phrase of it being a ritual rather than a habit mm -hmm. because rituals are things that we don't miss. Rituals are things that uh, my kids have dentist appointments tomorrow morning. I'm going to be there. Here's the uh, event that was happening at my son's preschool. It's on the calendar. I'm going to be there. And it's not this game of, yeah, in case someone calls. 
you know, then I'll take that instead. No, this is the time I am taking off. We're about to go on a vacation next week. And with delight, I will be setting up my voicemail that says calls will be returned beginning on and it will state the date that I leave. So making the time, it supplies to our business life. It applies to our personal life. So for someone just getting started, you really have to set aside that time to produce that content. And the whole mindset of the content, think back to the story that I shared around the stop smoking jars of cigarettes, four-hour workweek mentality. What are those things that I can do that build the relationship, that build the rapport in a way that I don't have to be there? Which let's squash this limiting belief that people would often have when I share that mindset Oh, but people need the hands-on interaction. They need to build the rapport with me directly, to which I'd tell you, I do that. However, the mechanism is I don't have to be the one there to do it. You have a favorite musician. You have a favorite performer. And then suddenly you see them in concert. You've been having a relationship with them for years. And you're now joining the conversation live. So we have that ability to build rapport in such a way. Think back to the metaphor of the the college romance where now you can expedite this relationship. So tell stories, interact uh, and build that relationship in such a way that you're now building that community. And now they get to then have that interaction with you in person, whether it's the initial phone call, the initial session. So it just comes down to building that relationship. That, again, is that theme that has not changed in thousands of years. We just now have mechanisms to do it faster and better. So why is it that you don't see this kind of message and the the business side of all of this being focused on on hypnotherapy trainings or often NLP trainings or alternative therapy trainings? Yeah, let's go a bigger picture perspective, then let's get more specific. The apparent best-selling magazine, uh, 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 my parents are wedding photographers, the best uh, sort of photographic magazine of the year is typically the one that will release either August, September, or October with the headline of what the pros are using, which of course is gearing up for the holiday season and gift giving. Um, as uh, our little digital SLR camera, uh, I'm convinced, hit the floor at some point and just isn't working. Uh, what are the pros using? And the mindset is, if I use what you're using, I can do the same thing. Which someone with a background in magic, I can share the anecdote of, uh, hey, does that work with a blue pack of cards? I saw you using red. And the answer is yes, of course it will. So again, not so much the platform, but more so the strategy. So this mindset that if I use the same tools that you use, I can do the same things you do as if this magical widget is going to do the work for me when instead it's what you put into it Um, in the health and fitness world. uh, You know, here's the dumbbell, but it's only as good as you're putting it into use. So why is this information not as uh, not as common as it should be? Well, it's a place where not so many people are successful as they should be. You know, and we are a profession, even on the change side of things, that's guilty of I'm teaching you the things that my trainer told me, as opposed to reaching that age of age of wisdom and the mindset of there's got to be another way. Uh, Well, what if these things that we've all repeated over the years really aren't the case? What if there are other methodologies? Again, kind of back to how we started this conversation. It takes time to create change. Well, maybe not. Uh, so why is it not being taught? There's so often the, the mindset that they're just not doing it. So they don't know how to teach it. There's a, there's a project I did for one of the hypnosis organizations where it was a series of videos and I know, and I, and I take this with some pride. There are people training classes that in the moment of talking about how to grow your business, they're showing my videos, which good for them showing something that actually is getting results that actually has been tested out. So there's too many people who are stuck in this mindset that this is what gets me. People who like to go, well, I'm not good at the business. Stop saying that crap. Uh, before we began, you know, we're recording right now and we jumped in at uh, 10 a.m. your time, which was 5 a.m. my time. Uh, and I used to be the one who lived off the phrase that, oh, I'm a zombie in the morning. Uh, I don't really get started until noon. 
And I realized that to become much more effective in my life, in my health, in my business, to become the morning person. And the mindset was, I want to become more productive in the morning than some people are in the rest of their day. And as soon as I shifted that, a lot of things really took off for me. So it's where platform strategy, we like to play the game of that doesn't work. And the question needs to be, again, the statement needs to be, how do I make that work better? And there's too many people that will work with clients beautifully in terms of change, but they're not yet ready to change that mindset in terms of themselves. There are people who, um, it's no secret that I've worked with other hypnotists and other conventions in terms of revitalizing their marketing message and getting it out there, yet they still want to hold on to the statement, the self-limiting belief that we're not good at that. Oh, I don't do that well. Well, do something about it is really the statement. So it comes back to the mindset. It's again, platform strategy. We've got to shift that thinking. And again, where people will go, I'm not good at that. Well, reach out, do something about it is really the answer. Jason, if, if people are listening and they like uh, your style, they like what you have to say, where, where can they go to find out more? Yeah, I'd point out a couple of places. The easiest place to go is WorkSmartHypnosis.com. That is the hub of the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast that releases every Thursday morning. Uh, and it uh, features, uh, I don't use the word interviews. Instead, they're conversations, conversations with hypnotists around the world, as well as my own mm-hmm. teaching content, whether it's uh, work for change, whether it's business strategy. Again, that's WorkSmartHypnosis.com. Uh, and then there's two major products that I have out there. Uh, one of them is Hypnotic Workers, uh, which the mindset as a fellow magician, you may remember Mike Close. Uh, no, uh, he, not even oh, not even yeah. close to remembering. Okay, ooh, <laughs> look at that pun. Mike Close put out a product years ago called Workers, and the whole mindset was there were a lot of magicians who were putting out uh, magic tricks that were creative for the sake of being creative, but they hadn't actually been performed in front of uh, a real audience. So I reached out and got his blessing. The phrasing was, you can't trademark this term, but with respect, I want your blessing. And this became Hypnotic Workers. Hypnotic Workers is my entire digital access to my hypnosis training library. So everything from inductions to deepeners to some philosophy adjustments to techniques for change. Um, My phrase is that we don't need any more scripts as hypnotists. Instead, we need transcripts. So inside of Hypnotic Workers, there are actual client sessions from start to finish where you get the actual session, you can get the transcripts as well inside of it. So it's my entire digital access that's available at hypnoticworkers.com. We've been talking business and it's all about building business systems. So hypnoticbusinesssystems.com, that is the Netflix for your hypnosis business training library. And uh, it's a product that some people might've seen years ago from me called Hypnosis Business Bootcamp which I took it off the market and relaunched it and rebuilt the content as hypnotic business systems because it needs to be this more modular style course where, okay, I want to do Facebook marketing. I can go there right away. Okay. I need to find an office space. I'm in the early stages. Here's the content on that. I can jump in right away. I need to work on, um, you know, doing business networking and giving talks. You can go there right away. And inside of it too, uh, inside of everything I do, it's about building those communities and also giving you the the templates to get started. So inside of that, you get some done for you marketing campaigns. So I mentioned you got to set the time to do this stuff. Well, I expedite that learning curve. Here's a campaign. Start using it right away. So it's a mixture between workshopped training, talking through the uh, the camera and a lecture format, as well as for some of the technical stuff, the wonders of screenshot software. You get to see me in action building this stuff, whether it's building a website from scratch using some easy drag and drop uh, technologies or interacting with the outsourcers. And these are thriving communities that are growing libraries. So the three references are WorkSmartHypnosis.com, HypnoticWorkers.com, as well as HypnoticBusinessSystems.com. Fantastic. Well, we will put all the links on the rapidchange.works website as well as the iTunes guide. Um, 
Jason, where I know we've had a lot of focus around the business stuff and that mindset. When we talked about you coming on and, uh, on the rapid change conversation, is there anything that you'd like to add to that conversation that I just haven't asked directly? Yeah, I would reference that when we look at change, there's a mindset, uh, there's a playful ability that we should bring to all this, that uh, if you want to bring it back to some of the original tenets of NLP, the wanton curiosity, uh, I, I'd credit the line of using a word that it turns out is not a word. I heard this from Michael Elner, that when we treat the issue with seriosity, we're only convincing each other that uh, the issue is too big to be solved. And I actually now will use this phrase with my clients that um, having worked with people over the years, getting the change is ridiculously easy. Working to dehypnotize the idea that it has to be hard. That's where the work is done. There's an amazing story of a client that I worked with that, and this, this is a place where I, I would use the phrase of we've been trained as agents of change to model excellence, uh, to which my other phrase of that is to plagiarize success. Uh, so it's a place where I'm sure you've had the same experience, Howard, where you're working with a client and they're in front of you and they're going, well, I did this and this has been so easy. And you're having to sit there thinking, well, damn, that's a good idea. I should do that. Um, th there's one that I'd share that um, I, I – let's get personal. I would never say I had issues with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, but I used to be someone that there were some digestive concerns. Let's phrase it that way respectfully. And I had a client who came in one time, and he goes – this is like later in our process. He's losing weight rapidly, and he goes, you know what? Everyone told me that I had to eat less to lose weight. He goes, I've completely changed how I eat. I've never been eating as much as I have been now. He goes, every one of my meals includes, as he put it, a garbage pile of vegetables. And he goes, my energy is remarkable. I feel satisfied at all times. And just my health has never been better. And the weight, the weight has been dropping off. And I heard that and I went, Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> so nearly every one of my meals now includes a garbage pile of vegetables. I steal from the best. So the, this mindset of, again, dehypnotizing the idea that it has to be hard. Here's a guy who I worked with that and I and I tell this story never to play the card of being what's now called fat shaming. No, not at all. Uh, but as he told the story, the time frame, he first came to see me in March. And uh, we worked together a couple of times. And with my weight loss clients, again, my same routine, there's a systematic structure to have a, a business format that is modular. Uh, I start with all my clients with a series of three appointments. And the phrasing is, if there's value in adding additional work, of course, that's an option. Now, the exception to that is I will tell my weight loss clients. Now, after we've done that initial series, I can comfortably tell you, about half of the people choose this strategy and the other half choose this other strategy. And it's not a commentary about half the people are successful and the other half are not. No, it's in terms of how do they continue their process? Because if you've got 60 pounds to lose, it's not gonna happen in the course of three weeks. And there are people out there who find value in continuously working with a trainer to get the feedback of how to better exercise. And there's people like me who worked with a trainer two or three times to go, my language, show me I'm not hurting myself. Okay, <laughs> now let me continue on my own because I want to go into that. It is entirely meditative for me to go in and do my weightlifting routines now, and I don't want someone there coaching me. However, let me make sure I'm not hurting myself, so show me proper form, set me free. So with the weight loss category, you know, work with me, learn how to do this for yourself. You got a copy of the home game, go on, wish you the best. The other half of people, hey, this is working for me, you know, pop in on occasion where it's appropriate until you reach the goal. There's also the wonderful mindset of I have a brand new problem where perhaps in the early stages, strenuous exercise is something we're not yet ready to do. And yet now, okay, I can put this amount of weight on my back and I can squat it and come back up. And the mechanisms of how we do that training has to change. So this guy comes to see me in March. The weight is rapidly falling off and he's now adding in additional sessions a la carte, maybe once every other month. So it's March. He comes to see me in December between Thanksgiving and Christmas. His language. I'm a big Italian family. 
And of course, I have the big fat Uncle Tony. And he goes, and that's not what we call, that's not what we call him. That's what he calls himself. He is big fat Uncle Tony. And big fat Uncle Tony looks at me across the Thanksgiving dinner. And he says to me, it's so great that you've lost that weight. I know how hard it is to lose weight. Good for you. And he goes, and I'm in my head, and he goes, there's a conversation that I wanted to have, but I decided respectfully I shouldn't have had it because it was a bit of a aha moment because in this span of time, I had never once labeled it as being hard. Instead, it was, and I love this as a mindset, of, it was like a video game, you know? How do I do this better? Okay, Mario fell into the pit. Now I know not to run in this part of the game because otherwise Mario is going to fall into the pit. And now instead I can go to the next level, which is a water level and no one likes the water levels. So here's this <laughs> mindset of constant improvement that I'm learning through the system. How do I do this better? How do I do this better? How do I do this better? And what was jarring to him was in the span of time from March until December, he had never once, this was the real change that occurred because of the hypnosis. This was the rapid change that occurred. He never once labeled it as being hard. Instead, this was an adventure. This was a guy who came in and pointed his finger at me and goes, I'm not going to count calories. And then he became ravenous for using the MyFitnessPal app because it became a daily game. How well can I hit those specific macronutrient numbers? This was a passion he developed on his own the same way that how do I play that Angry Birds level over and over and over until I get all three stars lit up. I am so limiting the audience at this point, and I love it. So <laughs> this mindset, <laughs> this mindset of constant improvement, but again, this almost gamer leveling up mentality that I'm going to get better and better at this, which my personal version of this is that we use the hypnobirthing protocol from Marie Mongan for the birth of our son, Max. And the initial stage of that hypnobirthing protocol is reframing. You're taking the scary medical words and changing them to not scary medical words. So it's not pain, it's pressure. It's not the uh, bloody show, it's the membranes releasing. It's not... Uh, it's not delivery, it's the birthing experience. And uh, so it's a moment where we, and we had an outstanding doctor who, as she put it, yeah, the hypnobirthing mothers, I know to sit on the edge of the bed and wait till you're ready. The process takes care of itself. And we move then from, and this was great, because now we're gonna go to the recovery room. Ooh, there's a great term. And we're now in the recovery room and it's a different nurse. And she walks in, scale of one to 10, how's your pain? And it was jarring because we hadn't used that word in several weeks. Mm -hmm. So again, back to the client with the big fat Uncle Tony, he had never once labeled it as being hard. So it's where, it, it, this is again, that mindset, I've got this, this is gonna be easy, or even better, this is gonna be fun. The more serious the issue is in my office, the more laughter there is inside of it. It's not laughter for the sake of jokes. Two Jews walk into a bar. No, it's laughter for the sake of, from my perspective, this is what's making a fast phobia cure so effective. We're dissociating out of the issue and we're now observing the reaction, at which point the natural intention is we kind of laugh at ourselves. It doesn't work anymore. When we work from the mindset of making the problem incongruent to who you are now, you can't go back to the old way. And for this guy, it's hard to lose weight. That used to be his belief system. And it just no longer fit anymore. It just doesn't make sense. That's where we need to focus our change. And along the way, respectfully laugh at it, suggesting laughter in the process. There you are in front of the fridge and you're scouring the stuff inside. It's the moment where you catch yourself laughing and realizing, wait a minute, I'm not even hungry. Oh yeah, I got this. This is going to be easy. There you are in the elevator kind of cracking up around. I used to be crying in here and now you're observing the experience. There you are. Um, I had a funny week a couple of years ago where uh, all of my clients coming in for fear of flying referenced JetBlue. They kept mm -hmm. flying JetBlue and that week I'm going, wait a minute, I'm about to fly JetBlue for the first time. And it would say it wasn't the JetBlue Airlines fault, but I'm on this flight. Uh, we have the Reagan National Airport in uh, the D.C. area here, mm -hmm. uh, which there's no fly zones over Washington, D.C. 
So when a plane takes off from Reagan National Airport, it banks at a harsh 45 degree angle. And the thought was, oh, if I didn't have a fear of flying, I probably would now. I get it. (laughs) And this place of just this amusement of how do you do that, that wanton curiosity, as it were, but to bring that into the change process. So the more serious, the more traumatic the backstory is, the more we can find that appropriate laughter and humor to bring inside of it. This is where, again, you know, you had the question about what agent of change Um, You know, the first thought would be a character of like the Patch Adams uh, individual who was a real person than the fictionalized Mm. Robin Williams version. This place of just bringing humor, bringing levity, bringing fun to the process. I think that's something we all take ourselves way too damn seriously and instead find the laughter, find the humor. And and that's how the other limiting belief that we didn't get to is I'd hear people say, I only can see two or three clients a day because they come in with their problems and it wears you down. With this mindset of humor, with this mindset of fun, connect, associate with your client's outcome, bring them along for the ride. And this, this was a mindset that when I used to work these marathon schedules of seeing so many clients one after the other, I'd walk out with just as much energy as I walked in with. Every client is a good to great intervention with this mindset. And with that, the darkest of story, it's a much bigger threshold of that catalyst of change of look what you've now accomplished. Look where you've now come. You're no longer the victim. You're now the survivor. You're now the advocate. You're now the hero of the story as opposed to, well, because this happened, I can't do this. Let's make this process more fun. Never, never before has someone spoken so eloquently when said, have you got any other things you'd like to add? <laughs> that was beautiful. Beautiful. Um, Jason, it's been it's been such fun and so insightful talking to you. And I feel kind of reinvigorated to take some massive action as well and uh, at least get up an hour before my kids now, which which for me is going to hey. be like three in the morning. But nevertheless, Ooh. I can make time. <laughs> Not find years the ago, time. I made the I made the joke and for I made the comment about uh, oh yeah our kids sleep through the night and my wife goes no you sleep through the night yes yeah <laughs> there is some strategy to it luckily uh, ours are asleep usually by eight thirty and they're waking up around like six forty five seven o'clock so uh, the real intention though is finding these moments of productivity in that morning that are that catalyst. So, you know, it's finding what are those things that ground you? It's where I, I plagiarize from myself sometimes into my client sessions. I share a little anecdote that there's something to be said about advice that when we just tell somebody do this. So there's a playful bit of hypnotic metaphor that I'll sometimes make use of that. If I say in a session, well, I do this and this is what works for me. People bring up that guard sometimes to go, oh, yeah, that's just advice. However, the playful phrasing is, well, it reminds me of a story of a guy who was in this office before, which I'm in my office four or five days a week. (laughs) So I may be talking about myself, but by way of the metaphorical story, well, it reminds me of a guy who was in this office a couple of weeks ago. Well, I'm sitting here now in front of you. But from that little filter of shifting the perspective of the story, So it's where, again, it's defined. There's an interview. I mentioned Tim Ferriss. Um, There's an interview that he did on his podcast with the uh, with the uh, U.S. General Stanley McChrystal. And the first was a slightly arrogant moment where Tim Ferriss, one of his standard questions is, uh, do you practice any form of meditation? And this if remembering the interview correctly, uh, the response was almost arrogant. No, I don't yet the realization of there's things that we do that are meditative in nature. So to find in your own life those things that you do that are meditative in nature, which could be as simple as if it's exercise, if it's as simple as things that I do. Um, I, I love the game and I love the life hack of prepping meals, which I do it in a big container and then I divide it up. And that's incredibly meditative for me. I like the journey of just now and also the hack, it's done. You know, their meals are ready to go. I'm at I'm at my office and I don't have to worry about lunchtime the same way that you'd hear stories of, you know, it's the it's the Steve Jobs and he's wearing the same clothing. Well, it's one less decision he had to make, which frees up everything else, which my strategies are not necessarily your strategies. And the same as in the business training that I do in hypnotic business systems. The goal is not to make you into a clone of Jason Lynette. 
you can't do it the way that I do it because you shouldn't. So instead, let's give you the strategies. Let's give you the logic. Let's give you the thinking. So you find your own voice and you do it for yourself. So in our own personal lives, what are those things that you can do that grounds you? So the day is now building that momentum and the rest of the day is a success that just dominoes from there. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time out your massively busy schedule to talk to uh, us here at Rapid Change Works. It's not taking the time, it's making the time, Howard. Making the time. <laughs> Will he never learn that, Howard? Will he never learn? <laughs> Pract- practice makes perfect. Just do it for 21 days and then you'll have it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what you said. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, thank you so much, and uh, yeah, look forward to uh, to seeing much more of you in the future. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, why not share it with anyone you think might be interested, and even head over to iTunes to give us a glowing review. You'll find more about what's coming up on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rapidchangeworks. And of course, you'll find all the links related to this episode, plus those free five steps to getting your suggestions to sizzle over at rapidchange.works.